it. You want people to stay in their cars. That's the goal. Every day when I do this show, how can I keep you in your car? I want you late for work. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. I am here at Full Sail University at the Dan Patrick School of Sports Casting, and I was just saying, Dan, that I've dreamed about doing something like this because I feel like working in sports is the biggest myth. Like people think sports is a job. They don't understand that there's actually skills and knowledge and desire to work in sports. Can I get a little bit of your playbook of how you got to where you are? Because that's the biggest question, even though it doesn't mean someone else can take the same track. In fact, I always tell people, if you reverse my career of how I became CEO of Lee Steinberg, People would run away in the first five minutes when I said, oh, you know, I went to law school and got into technology, <laughs> right? Yeah. Give us a little bit of your path to success. Oh, boy. It's, um, it was unchartered because I had no idea what I was doing. I graduated from the University of Dayton, and I got my degree, and then I thought, well, where's my job? And in this business, with a communications degree, there's no job. They're not waiting for you when you get out the door. And... That was a hard lesson because I, I worked at a rock and roll station on the weekends and I mowed uh, greens at a Jack Nicholas golf course. So I had a college degree, I'm mowing greens and I'm working late night at a rock and roll station. And a morning guy left, I took that job and then was known in the, uh, in the uh, Dayton area, worked a little bit at uh, uh, weekends at Channel 2 in Dayton the full-time job, weekend job at Channel 2 came open. I was told by everybody I was getting the job, and then uh, I didn't get it, and I was 27. And that's ancient in this business, to not have a TV job. And then I went to CNN. I went to Atlanta to visit an ex-girlfriend, and then she said the last day I was there, she said, you should go in and go, to, go talk to CNN. And I got hired that day. Six months later, I'm in New York replacing Keith Oberman. I'm covering... New York, Boston, Philly, D.C., all the sports there. And then uh, five and a half years later, I'm at ESPN. So I went from not getting a job in Dayton, Ohio, to working at CNN, to then working at ESPN. And then I spent 18 years there. But during that time, you really developed the skills and knowledge. And you had this true passion of, of not quitting for sports. Like, I've read some of the background since you were a little boy. You read Sports Illustrated at such a young age. Your dad had to get your own subscription. Yeah. You wouldn't let people out of parties until they could trump, trump you on a sports question. Yep. Now, just as a little side note, I was born in Akron. Okay. My mom's from Dayton. Oh, okay. So I spent a lot of time at Goodies and around Dayton while you yeah. were there as well. And, yeah. Uh, what skills do you think, and, and this school is about actually the real skills that you need to be a broadcaster, a sports broadcaster? Well, we wanted to, if this is what you wanted to do, then this was the best place for you to go. And the students who come in understand we're going to make you, or at least give you the tools to be a broadcaster, to be a professional broadcaster. You, then it's up to you. But we wanted you to learn the business, whether it's camera, if it's podcast, radio, producing, directing, in front of the camera. Everybody wants to be in front of the camera. But there's so many other rewarding jobs, and we didn't want to close that off and just say it's either this or bust. And to be able to come up with a curriculum that helps you public speaking, uh, you know, with being able to work on your voice, to train your voice, uh, interviewing. 
we've thought of everything here. Because if we teach you how to be a professional broadcaster, then you could do esports if you wanted to. You could do play-by-play. You could. There's a variety of things you, you could can do. sell sponsorship. Yeah, some of my best sponsorship salespeople thought they wanted to be broadcast. Well, you have to be able to, to connect with somebody. You have to be able to ask the right questions. You have to be confident. You have to be able to stand in front of a camera or in front of a crowd, five people, 50 people, 100 people, 5,000 people. That's what we're, we're just trying to let you understand what it is. We're giving you all the answers to the test. Yeah. That's really what this is. Because when you get to a job, then you're trying to survive to stay in that job. We want you to be ready to go when you get to the job ahead of everybody else. And the fact that I brought in somebody I worked with, Gus Ramsey at ESPN, he worked there for 20 years. So we know what ESPN wants. And then we have relationships with other networks. So that's, we just want to have a feeder system. So they can call us and say, what do you have for us? The minor leagues. And we call up somebody from the minor leagues and say, here you go. Put him in, coach. He's ready to play. And that's, that was what was essential is that if we were going to have a curriculum, that you were as well-rounded and ready to go as possible. And I know that, you know, inevitably we'll get into competition with other universities, but this is something that's unique. Those other schools and what they teach, and they've done it for a long, long time, but this is something that's unique, and that's what I want these students to understand and their parents to understand. When you come here, you're getting a sports casting degree. Not a broadcasting, not a communications degree, sportscasting. So if this is what you want to do, your compass should be pointed towards full sale. And it's a month-to-month curriculum where yeah. you have to achieve to the next month. Yeah. Now, you deal with no... I, I love you because you, you deal with illumination, right? You're with first guy, you kind of took Howard Stern's Break the Fourth Wall. I'm going to illuminate that I'm real. The movies you do with Adam Stanley, you illuminate, hey... And I love to do it, right? I'm not that smart. I'm, and, and people love it because you're real. Well, here you're real as well because your name's on there. Yeah. And you, you have a responsibility because the last thing you want is a graduate of Dan Patrick Sportscasting that you send up from the minor leagues, you know, just like a scout gets fired, you know, and the kid strikes out every time. He's up back going, what are they thinking? Yeah. You actually, every month, if they're not good enough, they, don't, they have to go back and take that. And I guess, though, if they say no that you're not good, because some people aren't meant for TV, yeah. right? I have a face for radio. I'm scared that they put this thing on TV, but they, you know, some people aren't meant for TV. How do you feel about that? No, that you're, because you're crushing, sometimes it comes to you feel like you're crushing someone's dream by telling them this isn't for you. But I'd rather that they knew now than they go through a program. You get a degree and you have convinced yourself that you're going to get a job. We, we want to, we deal in reality. Good. That's it. We don't want to push you on, get you through a class, because the person who taught that class is going to be teaching the next class, and they want you prepared to be able to do these things. So I think if more people got honest feedback, certainly in this business, the business would be better, and they would be better as well. I didn't know if I was any good or not. I had nobody who told me anything. Yeah. And, but in my mind, I thought I was really good. I could have used help along the way, and it would have made it easier for me. I think it's also important, why no is so important in, in real feedback, is that you actually sometimes create the best at something by telling them you're not good enough right now. So it's important in your program that you're actually telling them that. You're not good enough right now, and your style, because there's so many people that were told no, like Sage Steele was here earlier, and we all know she was told no. Yeah. and. And it's, it's good because sometimes that no is what motivates them 
to get the skills to actually prove you wrong. Well, I think you need to hear no. And then what do you do when you hear no? Good. That, that's just because you're not going to have somebody say, yep, here's your ticket to New York. Here's your ticket to, uh, you know, NBC. It doesn't happen that way. When you hear no, no now what do you do? Because right. that's when you find what somebody's really made of. Because you're going to get kicked to the curb. You're going to get passed over. Uh, you're going to have somebody who plays favorites. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just the best person gets the job. Right. That's not always the case. But if you know this going in, then you're not surprised. And I think that's what we want. We want you to understand you're an underdog. Treat yourself as an underdog. Fight for it. Because if you don't, somebody else is going to do that. Absolutely. And you also expose them to other opportunities because at Full Sail, there's a variety of other places. If they find out, you know what, this may not be best suited. I I wanted to be a professional football player. And I found out when I actually got to play in college that it probably wasn't suited towards my skills. And so I decided to be a sports lawyer. And, you know, even from there, I went other directions. I love Full Sail because it's a real place that says, okay, if this isn't for you, you keep getting a no, there's some other opportunities that you can, we see a a talent here. You you might be a great editor. I mean, the technology at your school is incredible. Yeah. How how did that evolving, because I know you had to buy your own equipment to do your first reel because you didn't have any content. How does this building your practicing and building your own content, even before you come to full sale, how important is having your own practice and your own content? Well, and I've said to high school students, you should be working on this now. You should be doing mock play-by-play games of the football team or basketball team or being in front of a camera or just putting a camera there and then let, let me see you ad lib five minutes of sports. How do you look on camera? How do you sound on camera? How confident are you on camera? Then by the time you get here, then you're on an actual set. Like we have a studio. We have studio cameras here. Uh, If you're going to be a podcast host or you're going to be a radio host, can you carry a conversation for 30 minutes without phone calls? Right. Can you be convincing with the topic? Like these are all things that everybody thinks you turn on a microphone and you talk. That's not the case. Everybody thinks you just sit in front of a camera and you talk. That's not the case. You kind of have to get rid of all those myths so they understand this is what this job really is. This is what it take, takes to get from here to there. Can you write your own copy? You know, there's so much. Can you talk when somebody's talking in your ear through your IFB? You know, I, one of the hardest things ever is if I'm talking to the camera and somebody's in my ear going, you got 30 seconds, uh, guest didn't show up. Meanwhile, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens uh, earlier today, Joe Flacco, two touchdowns. Now they're saying to me at the same time, I'm saying this, you, know, you got to uh, go vamp a little longer, ad lib a little longer. Uh, hold on. Yeah. 15 more seconds. So you're doing that. Yeah. Can you do that? Can you do it where the audience doesn't realize that somebody's talking to you while you're talking to that camera? We're going to have you make all your mistakes here. That's and that's what's fun is we, we have the ability to be able to do that. And you get reps. First day you're here, you're on camera. Yeah, and you, t- you talk about you can get your reps before you get here because everyone has a cell phone with them yes. all the time. Yeah. And I, I always say, because my own, about three years ago, I decided to build my own brand after representing Aikman, Moon, and Young and all those guys. I said, wait a second, there's a huge opportunity. I don't have to be on TV. Right? I can just capture the cool stuff that I'm doing yeah. and be myself and meet my friends and talk to them and get advice. And it grows. Here's the interesting thing I see about TV. It's still, even though the viewership goes down and 
dissipates into other places, it still holds the most credibility. When they asked me to put this thing onto Fox, uh, on an NBC Sports, I, I'm, the guys were like, you know you're not going to get a bigger following. It was all about the young guys getting yeah. a following. But watch what happens. The minute you tell people, oh, this is on TV, I have credibility. Now, no, not everyone's watching it on the TV, but the fact that you can say it's on TV, yeah. where do you see that evolving to where you have you know guys like Barstool that now have a credibility because of what they do online? Do you see everything going to just digital or is that TV style of, of, of business, of production going to still hold? Well, I don't know. I don't think TV's going to disappear, uh, traditional TV, but I do think the added elements of Yahoo!, Amazon's going to be a big player. Uh, if you have a radio show, now it's a simulcast. Um, so I, I think there's more jobs. It's just different jobs, not mm-hmm. traditional jobs. And that's where you, it, it gives you sort of this uh, buffet where you can start pick and choose that, hey, I kind of like that, or I like that show, or that's something that interests me. Whereas before, it's, there were three networks. And then after that, you had... ESPN. And then after that, then we started add, adding regional sports networks and Fox and those kind of things. So it's, it's growing, but the growth is different than it used to be. And, you know, the audience is a lot easier to capture, but it's harder to track right now. So there's 4 billion people without any type of agreements that we can reach. And then out of that 4 billion, what audience do you want? Right? Where ESPN, yeah. the audience, it was interesting because most of the people watching don't remember that there was no such thing as an all sports network. And that was like a huge idea. Yeah. Now there's like an all lacrosse women's network. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. so it's specialized. So specialized. But, yeah. but yet there's marketers and advertisers in the monetary side that can truly take advantage of making money off of that small two million person audience because they will watch every day and they'll buy what, what they see and, and translate over. How do you see the economic side of being a sportscaster? You, you, most people see, you know, and I say this because most people think your job's so glamorous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is Sunday morning right now, and you're of service all the time. And you have your own personal life that you have four kids. You know, how, how do you see that moving as far as privacy and, and where you're going? Uh, because everything's exposed. Well, it's, I don't do Twitter. Yeah, that I feel like I do a three-hour radio show, and that's my Twitter. But we share an awful lot. We share too much. And I think that's the dangerous part of what's going on now. Even reading Twitter, I, I don't, I'm not interested in your comments. No, I'm just not. Um, because you, you'll let one person ruin your day. And that's, you can have 10 people who say nice things, and the 11th person says something that's mean, and then you're going... Wait, why would he say that? And I just don't, I don't want to do that. And I, I would tell, and I, even with Sage, Sage Steele was talking about Twitter. And I would tell her, y- y- it'll eat you up. And she said, no, sometimes I get some positive, you know, I get, somebody will tell me I could have done something better and I can learn from it. I, it takes no talent to tweet somebody and say something. Yeah. And I, so social media is here. It's, it's, you've got to get your arms around it or it'll get its arms around you. At a higher level, people telling you negative things. You know, we were talking about if you're covering Ohio State and you're an Ohio State fan, all of a sudden we don't like Dan Patrick. Yep. But you have to report the news. It's, I, How I, old were you until you got used to? Because like, I, I, my biggest problem was I, I have a need to be loved. 
Right? I'm a please. I want everyone to like me. Well, everybody wants to be loved. <laughs> yeah, but like me, even I wanted everyone to like I me. And in this business, you can't be liked by everyone. If, if if you don't like me because I'm doing my job, then I don't want you to like Good. me. And if I grew up in Ohio, and to talk about Ohio State and be critical of Urban Meyer, that's my job. Yeah. My job is to have an opinion. I I can't go. You know, I don't really have an opinion on Urban Meyer if he should have been fired. I I have an opinion. And if you don't like my opinion, only because you went to Ohio State, then that's fine. I, I didn't expect you to like me. Respect me. Right. That's, I, I'll take your respect. I don't need love. I need respect. If you respect that this is the job I have to do, and I'm, I've got an opinion, hopefully, I, and I don't do anything just, I don't manipulate. I, there's no titillation here. I don't go out of my way to say, boy, let's talk about LeBron James today or Tom Brady today. It's what are the stories today? You have people in this business who give a false concept of uh, let's do something. Let's be negative with LeBron James or Tom Brady's career. He's, he's on the down. He's, it's over for Tom Brady. Like all you want is views and clicks. And I don't want it that way. And I, I would tell my students, present, present your case. But there's other stories to follow, not just LeBron, the Cowboys and Tom Brady every day cover sports, unearth something, get an interview that somebody wouldn't expect would be great. You want people to stay in their cars. That's the goal. Every day when I do this show, what, how can I keep you in your car? I want you late for work. I don't want you to get fired, but I want you late for work. And that's the goal is you stay in the car and you, you just don't want to get out because you don't want to miss something. That's the ultimate compliment that I can get. I give you that compliment. Yeah, I, but I want you to, if <laughs> I have somebody on and all of a sudden I just go, you know what, got something here. Yeah. You hope that they, because radio is so powerful. And that's another thing that it's school of sportscasting and that has to do with radio as well. I have a serious uh, XM station now. I want to get some of our students to be able to do a half-hour sports show. So it might be an hour that I get late at night where I give two students a half-hour, two students a half-hour. So you're on XM Sirius, and you're doing sports. That's awesome. But I want you to be ready to do that. Now can you do that? Now what do you talk about? So that's what we're trying to do. It's not just being in front of a camera. It's we're going to put you... In, you're going to play in the game. Like yeah. you're, you're not Rudy. Real, real. You're not coming in for a cameo. <laughs> right. Like you're, you're going to play. You're going to play the whole game. And to have them understand that and have that as a goal, that's what's great. That's what's rewarding when they realize, hey, I'm doing this radio show. Nobody's listening. No, you're going to do this radio show. So when they are listening, you can succeed. That's awesome. We got the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Last question, real quick. What legacy would you like this school and yourself to leave with this new vision? I think that we do it right and that we care about the students. And I've said this, that there's an umbilical cord attached to you when you leave here. When we have our first graduates, I can't imagine how emotional that's going to be for me because they took a chance. You know, mom and dad took a chance. And I promise them, I, I will not disappoint. You will be ready to go. But when you leave, we want to know how you're doing. 
We want that feedback. We want to see where you are. Can we help you get another job? When you get to a job, is there a job that you can uh, tell us about that we can send a student to, a graduate to? That's what I want. This could be more important than anything I ever did. And I've been doing this for you know a long, long time. But to be able to give back, and it's more about the parents because you're you're kind of lost. You're not sure. You, you know, when your son or daughter says, I want to be a sportscaster, okay, right. what does that mean? How do I do that? Now you know what it means and, and where it means more than other places, in my opinion. That's what I want, that you can put your trust in us, that we have the right people. People are doing it now. You know, the fact that Sage Steele doing Sports Center tomorrow and she was here today, that's what I want them. Bill Simmons was here a couple of weeks ago, and then they, they know who Bill Simmons is. That's what you want. You want people who are doing it so these students go, oh, this isn't somebody who's just telling me something. It's people who I can watch tomorrow on TV. And I think that's powerful. But hopefully it's, it's something that it lasts a long time and, and rewarding, and TV says thank you or radio says thank you for bringing us these students. Well, my favorite part is I saw how emotional you were about this. And, you know, my biggest fear when I see stuff like this is it's just the name. <laughs> and you, I heard from someone here that you, when we launched the first 10 seconds of your speech that you actually broke down and cried. I couldn't, and I couldn't get it That meant the most out. to me because I, I see it a lot with people's names. They put it on a field, they do whatever. And I have a great business partner, Warren Moon, who there's a lot of things named after him. And the Rose Bowl is doing a tunnel for him. And when they told him, he started to cry because it, it really means something to you. And as someone that is in the sports industry, it means a lot to me that more people like you are of service and creating a legacy. I just, I, you know, it's my name. That's all you have at the end of the day, your name. Absolutely. It doesn't matter awards, it doesn't matter anything, it's your name. And if, if we're living up to what we say we're going to do, then that's all. I just want to be proud. I want to be proud and, and for Full Sail to take a chance on this, because they've been around a long time. They've had a lot of success. And they've never been in business with someone like this before. And I just said, it's just the right thing to do. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's the right thing to do. And that was three years ago, and, and here we are. Well, there's no better name in sports casting than Dan Patrick. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you Thank being you, on Thank you, Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. <laughs>